Good morning and welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. My name is Mary Alice and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary. And if you are new today, we are just really glad that you're here and we want you to know that you are welcome here. We would be honored for the opportunity to follow up with you by email or phone this week just to get to know you better. And one way that can happen is if you would be willing to fill out that visitor card that's in your pew and place it in the offering plate later in the service. That's also a way that you can ask for more information about different ministries here at Calvary, or just to let us know how we can be praying with you in the coming weeks. Well, today we are thrilled to welcome Bert Burleson as our interim pastor. Bert is here today, and I know we are so excited to get to know you in the days ahead and look forward to you getting to know us as well. So thank you for being here, and thank you for journeying with us through this time at Calvary. This has been another hard week in our world. More shootings, more protests, more people who are created in the image of God being killed, more confusion, more pain. And in the midst of it all, it it just seems right to be here together in this community that we call a sanctuary for all God's people. A few weeks ago in staff meeting, we were talking about the miracles that we see at Calvary. And Emily mentioned the miracle that everyone just keeps showing up. And it reminded me of this beautiful quote by Frederick Buechner. He says, ministers and congregation both, they come to church year after year. And who is to say how, if at all, their lives are changed as a result? Yet they keep on coming anyway. And beneath all the lesser reasons they might have for doing so, I think there is a deeper reason. And if I could give only one word to characterize that reason, the word I would give it is hope. I think it is hope that lies at our hearts and hope that brings us all here. Hope that in spite of all the devastating evidence to the contrary, The ground we stand on is holy ground because Christ walked here and Christ walks here still. And so today in this sanctuary for all God's people, in this world of chaos and confusion, let us be reminded that Christ walks here still. And so we come together for worship still. Thanks be to God. As we begin worship, I would like to go on and invite the children to join me up front for the children's message. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? We kind of caught you off guard doing this at the beginning, didn't we? I'm glad you're here. I want us to take a minute and look at our hands. Everybody hold out your hands. What are some things you like to do with your hands? Color. Color. What else? What's that? Get the best seat. 
get them messy. Oh, I like getting my hands messy. Yes. Oh, playing with clay. I love how that feels in my hands. Picking things up. Playing football. One more. Using them to play soccer. Oh, yeah. What about, what are some ways we use our hands here in worship? What are some things we do with our hands here in worship? Pray. Pray, that's wonderful. Yes, we pray with our hands in worship. What else? We touch. What are some things we touch in worship? What do you think? What do you think we touch? We do touch donuts when we come into worship. We touch our hymnals when we open them to sing. We touch God. We touch God. That's beautiful. What else do we touch? The seats, the pews that we sit in. One more. Our family. We might touch the person who's sitting by our side. Well, in a few moments, we are going to use our hands to pray. And you all said that that's one of the ways that we use our hands in worship. Sometimes when we are praying for someone, we'll place a hand on their shoulder or back. And it's a way that we say a a special prayer of God's blessing over them. Have you seen us do this before? Yes, sometimes we pray with our hands like this too. But sometimes we'll call a group of people up here. Like when we are sending out a mission team, like our teams who have gone to China and Lebanon and South Texas, and we've placed hands on them to pray for them. Or if you've been here when we have ordained someone to ministry, like last, just a few months ago, we ordained Mr. Will to ministry and people gathered around him. And what did we do? Sarah, you were there. Do you remember how we prayed? We put our hands on him. And so in a few minutes, we are going to be ordaining our deacons and we are going to gather around them. They're actually going to be sitting in these different chairs around the sanctuary And we're going to place hands on them to pray for them. Our deacons are special servants in our church. And sometimes when you come forward during the Lord's Supper, the deacons will be sitting right here with another minister, and they'll place a hand on your shoulder or in your hand to pray for you. We pray with our hands because that is what some of Jesus' very first followers did. The book of Acts tells us that God called Barnabas and Saul to do special work to teach people about Jesus. And so one day, their friends gathered around them, placed their hands on them, and prayed for them. And then they sent them out to do what God was calling them to do. And so today, that's what we are going to do with our deacons. And we want each of you all to be a special part of that time. And so when they come to these seats, we are going to gather around them to pray for them. And I'm going to invite you all to pray with your hands and to pray for the ministry that they will do with us here at Calvary. But I'm also going to invite us to pray with our hands right now. So sometimes we pray with our eyes closed. We're actually going to pray with our eyes open. I want you to hold out your hands and look at your hands as we pray. God, thank you for these beautiful hands. Thank you for all the things we get to do with our hands, like playing sports and games, eating good food, playing music, reading books, coloring, writing stories. God, I pray that you would help us to use our hands to do the things that you want us to do, to show your love to people, to give someone a hug, maybe to make someone a meal or to care for someone. 
to hold the door open for someone or even to wave hi. Help us to use our hands in ways that honor you. We love you, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ, we call upon your holy name and we ask you for your divine protection over our lives. You are a mighty God and the one who cried aloud from the heart of your Son, 
Lord, remind and inspire us daily to be a sanctuary where we are planted and needed. As your children, we are called to reach out to others who need protection, solace, and care. Help us to see and love each person that you bring into our lives. Lord Jesus, I give you my hands to do your work. I give you my feet to go your way. I give you my eyes to see as you do, and I give you my tongue to speak your words. I give you my mind that you may think in me, and my spirit that you may pray in me. And above all, I give you my whole self so that I may show love to my neighbor, reflecting my love for you. Amen. are saved find their way at the sound of your great name all condemned feel no shame at the sound of your great name every your great name, the enemy, he has to leave at the sound of your great name, Jesus, worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us, the Son of God and man, you are
are often some of the first responders to different pastoral care needs here in our congregation and community. And so you may see them greeting in the Welcome Center or serving communion here in worship. But outside of our time together on Sundays, they're also visiting with our senior adults, coordinating meals for people in our congregation, visiting with people who are in the hospital, and praying for the many different needs within our church family. Deacons at Calvary paint a beautiful picture of what it looks like for us to offer our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes to one another in this place. Today we are ordaining eight women and men to join the diaconate. We're so thankful to this new group of deacons for their willingness to respond to God's call of service here at Calvary. We'd love for you to introduce yourself and share with us a little bit about what um, you are looking forward to in your deacon ministry. We are also going to um, give each of you a towel. It's a tangible reminder that you are not taking a position of pride or power, but rather a position of selfless service in the way of Jesus, who bent down and washed the feet of his disciples. My name is Josh Borderud, and I feel called to serve Calvary as an encourager. Hi, I'm Lizzie Davis, and I'm looking forward to being able to serve this church um, in a different way than I have before. My name is Harrison DeHay, and I'm looking forward to serving and walking alongside all those who walked alongside me and my family while I grew up here. I'm Daniel Hyatt, and... Um, I'm looking forward to serving Calvary as we uh, try to nourish and grow deeper into this community. My name is Rachel Kent, and I feel called to serve Calvary through support and prayer for physical and emotional needs. My name is Elaine Norris, and I feel that God has graced me with a compassionate and caring heart to serve Calvary and our community. My name is Ken Surrey, and I look forward to serving Calvary in the many ways that Calvary's always served me as well. My name is Lydia Tate, 
And I look forward to encouraging a lifestyle of worship and prayer at Calvary. Don Corley is also rotating off as our chair of deacons. And Don, we would like to present you with a chalice and a plate as a reminder of our appreciation for your generous and prayerful service and leadership over the past year. So thank you for serving us so well. I also wanted to mention that Kimlin Bender will be serving as our new chair of deacons. And Kimlin really wanted to be here for this moment today, but had a prior commitment with family. But we look forward to serving with Kimlin as well. We also want to extend a special thank you to the deacons who are rotating off of the deacon body this year. They're listed in your uh, order of worship. Thank you for the many ways that you have been the hands and feet for Christ here among us at Calvary. And now I'd like to ask a few questions of our new deacons. Will you inspire all of us to live faithfully? Will you encourage us to be fully present to those whom we serve? Be sensitive and compassionate to those in need? Will you minister to everyone without exception? Will you live with integrity in your own life? Devote yourself to God's word and prayer. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, will you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus? Please respond, with God's help, I will. And now we'd like to ask our current deacons and our congregation if you would please stand. Will you and the Calvary community of faith pray for and encourage these deacons in their ministries? And will you participate fully with them in fulfilling the mission of this church? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, will you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus? Please respond with God's help, we will. Our deacons will be seated around the sanctuary during this time of ordination. We ask that you approach the deacon nearest you and lay your hands on him or her, praying for God's blessing over him or her and for faithful service in the coming years. Please join us now. Here in this place, a new light is streaming. Now with the darkness vanished away See in this place our fears and our dreamings Draw near to you in the light of this day Gather us in the lost and forsaken Gather us in the blind and the lame Follow us now and we shall awaken shall arise at the sound of your name. We are the young, our lives are a mystery. We are the old who yearn for your face. We have been sung throughout all our history, called to be light to the whole human race. Gather us in the rich and the 
us the courage to enter the song. Here in this lake, the wine and the water, here we will take the bread of new birth. Here you shall call your sons and your daughters, call us anew to the salt or the earth. Give us to drink the wine of Give us to eat the bread that is you. Nourish us well and teach us to fashion lives that are holy and hearts that are true. Not in the dark of buildings confining, not in some heaven light years away. Here in this place the new light is shining, now is the kingdom, now is the day. Gather us in and hold us forever. Gather us in and make us your own. Gather us in, all peoples together. Fire of love in our flesh and our bones. A reading from the book of Psalms. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, a ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. This is the word of the Lord.
my Lord, he taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up, and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. He holdeth my soul.
Good morning. I, uh, I woke up really grateful to be coming to the community of faith here at Calvary today because I knew when I looked out into the congregation I would not only see a lot of very familiar faces but some really dear, dear friends and people that Julie and I have been doing life with for over 20 years here in the Waco community. I think Julie's, Julie's back there, so make sure to say hi to Julie this morning. So thankful to have uh, received an invitation to not only come here and preach, but walk along with you during these transitional days. Let's pray together. God of every beginning, we lift our hearts here in thanksgiving for the gift of your church. And we pray your blessings upon all that we do as we walk this journey together. We need you, remembering that we are limited, we're frail, and we need your strength, and we're sometimes blind and need eyes to see and vision, and especially in these days that are so complex and confusing. For a moment here in this place of goodness and friendship, we, we stop to simply remember what is beyond these walls. And we hold in your light those who are in places today of violence, who may feel threatened, who are suffering and grieving. We hold in your light those who would lead us beyond that. And trust all of them into your keeping. And pray you would lead us to know how to continue to walk with them and pray for them and be a part of your reconciliation in the world. God, we trust ourselves in this moment and your care, knowing you desire truth in the inward being. We pray you would teach us now with wisdom in the secret heart. Through Christ, amen. I have in my, in my study at home uh, what is my favorite Peanuts comic strip. It's, it's hanging there, and it's Peppermint Patty and Charlie Brown, and they're leaning back to back against a tree, and Patty's in kind of this melancholy mood as she asks, what do you think security is, Chuck? Charlie Brown replies immediately like that. He has a familiar experience, and he identifies security is sleeping in the back seat of the car when you're a little kid. You've been somewhere with your mom or dad, and, and it's night, and you're riding home in the car, and you can sleep in the back seat. You don't have to worry about anything. They do all the worrying, and they take care of everything, and Patty is now smiling. That's real nice. But it doesn't last, Charlie Brown predicts. Suddenly you're grown, and it can never be that way again. Never, dismayed, Patty asked. Absolutely never. Charlie confirms, and now he's mirroring Peppermint Patty's face that's sad. And the strip ends with the two sort of leaning against one another as Patty says, hold my hand, Chuck. It's true. It is when you grow up. You have to do all the driving, or at least you have to, to ride there in the, you know, the front seat to navigate. And even if you try to sleep in that seat like most of us have tried to do, it's not so easy. Particularly if you're used to driving all the time, you know how that is. 
You, you know what I mean? Because you have one eye open. And if you hit a bump or the car swerves just a little bit, gets in one of those bumpy things, then, then you bolt up assuming there's some problem. You're going to have to take care of it, care of it because it, re it really is true that you never get back there in the back like that again, really. Once you go up, mom and dad aren't at the wheel. You're never really completely relaxed, are you? Or sound asleep, really, at rest. But I can remember what that was like. Do you remember that? I remember what it's like, and I'm thinking that's about as close as I can get to understanding what the poetic liturgist wrote so beautifully of in Psalm 91. The one who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's an ancient Hebraic way of saying those who trust in God, really trust in God, will be like a child sound asleep in the back of the car. It's a great piece of liturgy. And just like it happened here this morning, probably would have been read by a couple of leaders, maybe back and forth. And everyone in the room's picturing the same thing, no matter where they might have called Psalm 91 to mind. It's the shelter of God. It's the tabernacle of God, that second temple there on Zion. It's a thin place, isn't it, where God's presence is so very real. It's so real there that, that you stop doubting there and your questions dissolve for a moment and you have this sense of I really do belong in the universe and as you do that you have the sense that somehow the eternal has invaded and enveloped and what is out there begins to shrink a good bit and everything else out there kind of pales and the illusions out there that imprison us have sort of let go of us and the monsters mostly of our own making aren't so scary anymore, are they, when you're in that shelter? That's what happens if you dwell there. And that's an important word, when you dwell there, which is the psalmist's way of saying it really does have to be your true home. That's got to be your address, not some place you just heard about or maybe you visit along the way or pop in and out of. It's a, not just a place that you sort of faintly remember because you were there in some season of your life but really, if you dwell there, if you're really at rest there like a four-year-old in the back seat, then you're dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. And when the ancients gathered and the priests maybe decided, like Randall did, that we would use Psalm 91 and, and some leaders like uh, B and Miriam, I think it was, came up, did I get it? Came up here. And maybe they would get everybody sort of going back and forth and, and one of them would would maybe say, or maybe they'd probably sing it, wouldn't they? The one who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, maybe it sounded like that, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You, you, you hired a cantor too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone sort of knew what they were going to do. So maybe everybody on this side of the sanctuary would say, God will save you from the fowler's snare. Everybody, God will save you from the fowler's snare. And over here, from the deadly pestilence. I think you can do a little better than that. And back and forth it would go, right? You won't be afraid of the arrows flying by day. And back over here, or the disease stalking in the dark. Of the plague that destroys at noonday. 
It, it won't come near you no way. Just a little editing of the Word of God there, just for poetic, you know. Everyone does it. And then maybe the leader would invite them to confess together. If the Lord is our refuge, God will command angels that will guard our ways and, and we won't strike our foot against a stone and we'll tread on serpents and we won't be hurt. So this great imaginative language is there in the temple and it's bouncing off the walls and reverberating through their bodies and the priest would finally conclude, the one who con cleaves to me in love. I will deliver and show her my salvation. And then maybe all God's people said, yeah. That's what happens when you dwell in a sanctuary, a true safe place. It's like, it's the way I have imagined it along the way. It's like we step into some elevator of collective divine consciousness. So we begin to go up together and what is out there is just not so much of a threat when that happens. And it's, it's not so daunting and disheartening and it doesn't feel so heavy and hopeless in that elevated state. We see our stuff differently, don't we? And by stuff, I mean your stuff and our stuff. My nagging worries and all that's worrying the world, dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, it changes things. It, it saves us. This really is our salvation. And all of us in these days, these last few months, maybe this whole last year, we've been so aware of having stepped into a time where the world seems to be wobbling. Maybe we're all wondering with Peppermint Patty about security and what it would mean for the world to really have that. It's a hard time. I mean, for starters, there's all that pestilence. It's just, it just sounds like one of those things that spreading pestilence does. I mean, it's infecting and it's affecting and, and we try to sort of contain it like this or inoculate it. Doesn't seem to help much, does it? And then there are the arrows flying by day, AKA emails and tweets and trib articles and editorials, if you happen to have read the paper yesterday. You ever feel like arrows are kind of whizzing about you? And, and you know, you start ducking because you've been pierced along the way. And, and, and you sort of live with one eye kind of peeled and, and you're not letting your guard down all that much. But, and you live a, a flinching life, don't you? Because of the arrows by day. And there's also the disease at night, the dis-ease and the darkness, the psalmist called it. Really naming honestly what is in the world too. It's like those dementors in Harry Potter, you know, that are just sucking your soul. And some of it we see, this darkness. I mean, it's in the headlines, but not all of it, is it? It's just dark out there in this fallen creation. And with all that, then there are lots of us who are tempted with what the psalmist called the plague at noonday. And I think some of us in particular struggle with this. So with all the pestilence and the arrows and the dementors, we find ourselves pulling back, don't we? We just withdraw. Dante said, at noon I found myself in a dark wood. The plague at noonday causes us to lose heart. So it's really 
It's really, really important to find ourselves dwelling again in the divine shelter, a sanctuary, because out there we can stop knowing what we knew in here. We can't maintain vision alone out there. Out there, our perspective blurs. We have this, and we really do have this, spiritual amnesia sets in and we forget what we knew and we aren't able to dwell in that divine shelter. So we have to return again and again to that place. And I mean both that place that is your inner sanctuary and I mean this place that is your community and sanctuary of faith. Both are essential dwellings. And they both sort of depend on one another, which is kind of this this chicken and egg spirituality that we really need to unpack on and a bit and see, see it scripturally, you know there's this trajectory, don't you? Biblical trajectory and paradigm shift that takes place by the time we get to the second half of our Bibles and we're in the Christian scriptures. And it's this, that the glory of God, this palpable presence, is no longer now somehow bounded by and boundaried by the temple and the Holy of Holies. The temple is now understood more universally and personally, and you see this teaching all through the Gospels and certainly in Paul's teachings in Acts. Jesus makes it clear in chapter 4 of John, really. He's, he's talking to the woman at the well, and he says there's going to be a spring bubbling up where? Inside you to eternal life. And then later, John, when he's He's trying to comfort the disciples and he says, because I live, you will also live. And on that day, you will realize, not on that day it will happen, on that day you'll really perceive it, that you are in me and I am in you. You'll see it then. The temple is coming down all through the Gospels. It's being deconstructed and this is good news. And Jesus identifies his own presence and life and resurrection with the new temple. The temple veil, remember, is torn from top to bottom. And then God's people are beginning to grow up, and we see it in Acts. We hear it as Stephen, in his great sermon, right before he dies, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands. It's everywhere now. It's in everyone. It's in us. It's in you. And Saul picks up on that in a number of ways, having heard on the road to Damascus, as he's killing Christians, the voice is saying to him, why are you persecuting me? Meaning Jesus and his followers are the same reality. And Jesus had already said it, remember, you're in me and I'm in you. And Paul picks up on this ontology, finally saying, Christ in you is the hope of glory. In Ephesians, teaching that we're all being fitted together as a part of this temple being built in Christ in whom we are all being built together into this dwelling of God. So the sanctuary we need and that the world needs, it's in you and it's within you. It's within each one of us and it's in all of us. So, so like I said, realizing the sanctuary in you, it really depends on the shelter which we become for one another, doesn't it? 
You really can't get there without everybody on the pew here with you. And the shelter that we become individually has everything to do with, or as a church, has everything to do with your journey. As you become a walking, breathing sanctuary for those who are weary of all the pestilence and arrows and disease. And everybody out there who's tempted just to give up on the whole dang thing, right? You're the holy of holies. We're the holy of holies. Your heart and your hearts in God's heart, there is no separation. And this is the truth of the kingdom of God to which we are awakening. And the loving reality in which we can dwell, we we really can dwell there. And it changes everything when we do. Changes everything for you and maybe for anyone who happens to come near you and maybe anyone who happens to sit in one of those pews with you. As Calvary's great vision imagines. And at least for a moment, they let go and they get to sleep again in the back seat. They don't have to be afraid for a while. And they can rest right there in the shadow of the Almighty and can learn as we all can learn to return there maybe even every day. It's the essence of salvation. This is the movement of salvation, the presence of God to and through Jesus, the presence of God to and through the church, the presence of God to and through you to this weary world. I wish Charles Schultz had drawn a couple more frames for that particular comic strip. Maybe a few at the end where the rest of the gang would show up, at least two or three or maybe ten, and then they were there having realized why Patty and Charlie were leaning there with such sobered looks. And maybe empathic Linus would observe, I suppose you're right, Charlie Brown. Growing up must make it really hard to fall asleep. And then he'd get really deep. Linus does that. And he'd say, think a bit, though, Charlie Brown. What, what if there comes a time when we're really grown up? I mean, when we've really grown. And as Lucy says, we're not blockheads anymore. And we learn how to trust again, as children should. Wouldn't that be something? And then they would all look off the page towards us as readers, and Charles Schultz would have drawn those really big, hopeful smiles across their faces. And I'm imagining then Schroeder would go over and start playing some really cool, jazzy version of He Hideth My Soul, right? In the cleft of the rock. And then Sally and Lucy would with Snoopy and little red-haired girl and Pigpen, they would all, all join in as the whole Peanuts gang kind of does this liturgical dancing celebration to He Hideth My Soul. And as that's happening, Charlie Brown looks out at us and declares the deepest truth anyone can ever, ever know or live from that when we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, we rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We will not fear. The Lord is our refuge. God says to us, call, and I'll answer. I'll show you my salvation. Oh God, 
Would you let us know that again this day? Right here and right now. Might we know a security that transcends whatever we have to deal with tomorrow? All that's on that list. Might we know a rest that transcends our limitations? Because we rested here in you, we can live differently tomorrow. This is our prayer, Lord, through Christ. Amen. As we stand together to sing our hymn of commitment and respond to God's call, as always, our ministers will be available in the back of the sanctuary to pray and think with you about your Christian journey and decisions you might be called to make even this morning. Let's stand together as we sing. Thank you. 
loving Father, our spirits find peace in this hour and place. For gathered here, we know that we rest our hearts in the shelter of your wings. We have the calm assurance that grace and mercy are always waiting when we bow at the foot of the cross at Jesus' feet. Your love is amazing, Father. Forgive us when we build walls around our hearts, place binders on our eyes, and bottle up your love selfishly. For you have called us to reach out in your name, both to each other and to a world in need all around us. Forgive us when we struggle with inadequate funds to accomplish the work to which you have called us. You have generously and abundantly provided all that we need, every talent, every gift to the Spirit, every dollar of income to us as individuals and families. Help us not to grasp, but to joyfully lift up our gifts to the higher cause of your kingdom. Accept our gifts this day, we pray, as a measure of our devotion to you. For Jesus' sake, amen. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep o'er the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Though they are slighting him, still he is waiting, waiting in penitent child to receive. Plead with them earnestly, plead with them gently, he will forgive if they only believe. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. I just have a few closing announcements for us this morning. I found out today that this is Rachel and Nick Harrington's last Sunday with us in worship and got to just visit with them in the intergenerational class this morning. They had a baby shower for them. Um, but the Harringtons are going to be moving to Midlothian, which is closer to Nick's work, 
And then baby Harrington is expected to arrive in mid-November. So know that we are praying with you all. And, and a prayer request that they mentioned was this, just that they would be able to find community as they get settled in Midlothian, knowing, knowing that a baby is coming right around the corner. So we, we can't wait to, to hear how God uses you all there. Also, we have a few staff members that we want to acknowledge today. If I could get Emmett Drumgoal and Alexis Carlson, if you would join us up front. Alexis has served as our preschool coordinator for the last year and a half. She has worked behind the scenes to coordinate preschool teachers and workers and to care for and love on some of Calvary's youngest members. And we are so thankful for her service among us. She will still be around Calvary, so we'll still be seeing her face, but she is stepping down from her preschool coordinator position. So thank you, Alexis, for all the work that you have done. And Emmett has been our Minister of Community Missions for the past year and a half as well. And, and everything that you have given has been volunteer and out of the just generous and kind spirit that you have. And we are so grateful for the ways that Emmett has helped us to continue building a partnership with friends and neighbors at the Village's apartment complex. And you've just pointed us toward the needs all around us um, and have challenged and inspired us and really helped us to renew our commitment to serving in our neighborhood. And we are so thankful for your service here. Emmett is needing to step down for the time being so that he can focus on his studies at Truett and on his other work. And we want to honor that because we know that the time you have in seminary and also he will be at the School of Social Work in another year, that, that time is a time you don't get back. And we want you to be able to soak up what God has to offer you during this time. And it will also be around Calvary. He's not going anywhere either. And so we look forward to continuing to walk alongside you as well. But thank you for all that you've given us during this time. And in true Calvary fashion, I'm surprised the kids did not mention this, we will be using our hands to eat cake after worship today. And so there's a cake honoring Alexis and Emmett, and I hope that you all can visit with them as you leave today. Lastly, there is a final listening session this evening at 6 p.m. with Robert Creech. And so if you haven't gotten to be part of one of these listening sessions as we begin this pastor search process, we hope that you will come and be part of that time with us. Thanks. Stand for final benediction and blessing. My brothers and sisters, to God, who by the power at work within each one of us is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine, to God be the glory in Christ Jesus and in his church and in each one of us. Amen.